This is a Brain Tools Tools episode, a 20-minute cutback version of our full podcast where you walk away with six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you want more of the neuroscience and research behind the tools, you can find the full version of this episode on Spotify, iTunes, and at the link below. But for now, it's time to get your six brain tools. The final section of today's episode where we're going to be talking about six brain tools to help you age better from a brain point of view. But hey, some of these are downstream consequences on how you are physically. And Sam, I want to provide a little bit of context as we normally do to these tools and that there are two, I suppose, I think like core principles, so to speak, on how to age well and what things, what these tools actually sit in. As we always say, context come first, then content second. Um, the first one is to note that it's all about applying stress to your body. Remember how we talked about in that stress episode, stress is good when controlled. And so when you actually uh, provide stress to the body, the body adapts and its body is brilliant at doing that. And that releases a lot of awesome stuff that's great for your brain. And the second one is novelty. Like the one thing that the human brain loves is new and shiny things because the moment it sees something new and shiny, it's like, oh, I want you. And it creates a bunch of connections around that thing to stimulate that neurogenesis and basically create more of those connections. And so an active brain is a healthy brain, which leads very nicely, Sam, into the first brain tool of the day, my first brain tool, which is shock aerobic exercise. Brain tool number one, aerobic exercise. Now, we've spoken about this a lot uh, before, but not in as much detail as we will uh, today. If you want to see more habits episode, episode four has a lot on this as well, but also uh, the well-being episode in episode number two. But as we said before, one of the core problems when it comes to aging is your cardiovascular system. Your brain needs oxygen and where there's oxygen, there needs to be blood. And so if blood flow to your brain is inherently compromised, you're getting less oxygen and then clearly it's going to have a negative impact on your brain. And so aerobic exercise, not necessarily anaerobic, going for a run, going for a cycle is the key thing that can actually help uh, stave off um, a lot of the neurodegeneration that happens across time. And so there was a study, Sam, can I tell you very quickly? I'd love to hear your study. Go on, study me up. University of Iowa, 2019. Um, research basically was conducted with a bunch of uh, 65, 60 to 80 year old participants. And they basically found that even a single bout of aerobic exercise had massive benefits on older people's brain per week. That's literally what they found. And it was done for 12 weeks. They found stimulation of growth in the brain, lots of neurogenesis, wow. and just self-reported people feeling better. Memory uh, memory degradation being staved off as well. And so the core thing to just highlight here is aerobic exercise is so, so critical um, to helping stave off um, the aging process. Wow, I love that. There's more of a reason for me to go for a run. That I haven't been doing. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I've told you this before, which is like we yeah. – I used to hate running. I used to hate cycling. I used to hate all that sort of stuff. But six months this year, you notice a massive change in just your cognitive capacity, your ability to think clearly. Um, and so aerobic exercise is a real core tenant. So what I would say um, – is in terms of implementing this is actually going for those runs, those 10, 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be long, but especially encouraging um, some people that you know that are slightly mm. older to actually go for those long walks um, becomes really important. I know I've been really pushing my parents to do so, which they've actually listened, which is great. That's awesome. I love that. So on that, actually, my, my girlfriend has been uh, going on long walks with her mom. Oh, that's awesome. She's been making it a big staple. And exercise is fantastic. 
I would say that the next best one, which leads directly into brain tool number two, is doing what we were meant to do as humans, socialize. Brain tool number two, get a social hobby. And I'll give you, give you a bit of a line here. Dr. John Medina Ooh. said, socializing is vitamins to the brain. Oh, so, brain rules. How great is that? Brain rules is a great book. He did a brain rules for aging where he talks about, a, a, about this. And there is lots of research that backs this up and validates it. But essentially getting yourself a, a hobby that requires you to regularly uh, engage with other people in a social way is to form bonds and friendships through that exercise is incredibly neuroprotective. And that's because socializing in itself is neuroprotective. There are various mechanisms and there are a multitude of studies which have looked at this and longitudinal studies as well. And it, it comes down to things like uh, oxytocinergic pathways being oh, activated through yeah, socializing. <laughs> Big word. Basically, connection with other people keeps your brain uh, young and healthy because it releases all these neurotransmitters, which are neuroprotective. They protect the cells. They rejuvenate the cells. They encourage... Uh, neurogenesis, the creation of new neurons. And then it also activates a uh, whole different parts of your brain in different regions as you have to process that social interaction, which keeps everything activated and it keeps all those wires firing. I love it because this, what's what, and how the brain works quite associative. What popped into my head is from, I remember doing when we did episode uh, two, we were talking about wellbeing. One of your brain tools there mm. was to actually just have a conversation, have a call with one of your friends, check in, see how they're going. And there's dual and mutual mutual benefits for, for doing so. The person reaching out feels that social connectivity. The person receiving it receives that social connectivity. So it's a non-zero-sum game. Both people benefit from doing so. And it means that we're very clearly social beings that require it from a brain point of view. It's not just a nicety. It is a necessi- necessary. It is, it is a brain necessity. And it also is protective against aging and cognitive decline. And, you know, there are so many studies out there that, link loneliness mm. as a, a, a bigger mortality factor than smoking. Loneliness is a bigger mortality factor than smoking, right? So this, this brain tool is really simple. If you're old, if you're young, if you're in between, get a social hobby. It works for people in the Okinawa who are in the blue zone, the oldest aging, the longest living population in the entire world. It works for you. It protects your brain. Get a social hobby. Just and just, like just listen to the Japanese. Let's be frank; yeah. they, they know what's up. They just know. They know what they're doing. Have you seen old Japanese people? They look fantastic. <laughs> yeah, but they, they they age well. They're doing all they, right. They age very well, and you know what? They the other thing is they they don't actually experience as much cognitive decline. So they've done lots of research on the Okinawans and their ability to be like there and still sharp at 80, 90, 100 is amazing. Yeah, I want to go to Japan. I still feel like I've, my whole notion of Japan is just based on Tokyo Drift, the movie, which is very much not connected with the reality of Japan, but I'm going to get there eventually. Mine's based on one too many chef's table episodes, but, you know, equally as culturally iconic. Correct, Mundo. And that leads nicely, believe it or not, into my brain tool number, brain tool number three. Because you spoke about socializing and whenever you think socializing, Sam, you normally think, in our age anyway, uh, you know, sobriety? <laughs> yeah, totally. The opposite of that. You definitely, <laughs> definitely, yeah. Think sober. Obviously, when we're around friends, alcohol has a tendency to be involved across the ages. So brain tool number three is to take a sober and smoke-free 
month. Now, obviously, easier said than done. I'm going to get quite practical in this as well. But as we spoke about before in that University of Oxford study, one of the main no-nos was drinking and smoking. And what they basically found, one study in particular, found that smokers and drinkers over the age of 65 have nearly an 80% higher risk of Alzheimer's than those who have never smoked. And the two main issues with alcohol consumption largely and smoking, separate pathways, but I want to give you the, the high-level summary, is decreased circulation. Mm. It's a massive issue. Yep. And we talked about earlier, your brain needs that oxygen. Um, taking that, I suppose, month off can have massive, massive benefits. I'm actually thinking of doing another one. I did six months earlier in the year. Um, after this weekend, I reckon on Monday, I'm going to start another six-weeker. Um, and it, it's mm. like noticing the clear benefits of it in many aspects of life mm. is very, very clear. But Sam, you're probably wondering how. How does someone actually do this if we say take one month off? What's what's the strategy here? Give me the point because I have never been able to do this yet. I will admit to it. No, for sure. And I think, again, all, all this can be found in episode five on addictions uh, in a lot more greater detail. But there's three core tenets to this. Number one, don't do it alone. Do it with friends. Uh, it's a lot better to do collective suffering than it is individual suffering. <laughs> so go doing it together as two or three people. So I'm doing it with three mates um, and we're doing it to hold ourselves accountable. We're going to create a WhatsApp group as well. The second thing to note is to actually announce that you're doing it. Announce it to your friends, actually talk about it so that people actually then remind you. You're increasing the probability of doing it the more that your friends be like, hey, do you, are you actually doing that? How's it all going? And the third one is to actually leverage loss aversion. Um, as we've spoken about in behavioral economics, we are much more loss averse than we are to the opportunity for gain. So put something in the pot that you lose that you can actually care about. That's what we're doing with friends. We're putting in money. So that basically uh, into the pot, if we obviously uh, don't do it, then everyone else gets the money, which we don't want, especially you don't want you to give your friends money if you don't have to. But those three things can help do that. And the net benefit will be huge from a, a multitude of cognitive and physical uh, realms. You might even lose a little bit of weight as well. So number eight, number three, take a sober and smoke-free month. Oh, so strong. So hard to do, but so worth it. Um, love that. Great way to episode, uh, round out this section. And we've got three even juicier brain tools just after this. Let's do it. And then three, two, two one. Two, one. All right, and now we're coming to the last section of the Brain Tools podcast, the last three Brain Tools, which really excited about. They all kind of link to each other very nicely. Um, Kieran, you mentioned you're about to embark on this six-week journey of sobriety, which in my words would be hell, but I wanted to ask, does that also include some form of dietary changes? Oh. You're on the, on the money. Exactly right. It does. Going to be a bit of fasting, which we'll get to a little bit, but definitely improving the diet is up there. I feel like you've got something for me. Excellent. I, I def, that was definitely a leading question for you. <laughs> <laughs> Here is the pathway. You better take this pathway. Yeah. You just this up and then this whole section's moot. <laughs> it, it almost would have nullified everything I was going to say uh, preceding it. But I'm so glad you said that, Kieran. Uh, thank you for being my guinea pig on the stage. So, so to speak. <laughs> It leads really well into brain tool number four. And we talked a little bit about uh, nutrition and food uh, having a massive role uh, on the brain and the brain function. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a future episode around diet. But brain tool number four is called the mind diet. 
or the Mediterranean diet. Yeah. And what this is, is it's a, it's a simple diet, which is really high in fatty acids from fish, from nuts, berries, lots of vegetables, lots of olive oil that has been extensively studied. And why you might want to do this now, or if you are slightly older and you're experiencing uh, aging, you are further down the track, but even, even we could benefit from this, is because this is the most researched diet that's been shown to uh, reduce cognitive decline and to improve performance cognitively of an aging population. So they've studied this in the Mediterranean, specifically in Greece, in Eos. Greece. And they basically worked backwards from, from their diet. Uh, and they noticed that people who were consuming a diet really rich uh, in, in fruits, in uh, fish and berries in particular, and a, a bunch of other things, well, you can look up the mind diet online on Mediterranean diet. They experienced much less cognitive decline. They stayed healthier for longer and their brains were healthier. And the reasons are because these diets are providing them with the right nutritions as they age to support that myelination, to support neurogenesis, to support a healthy brain. So this one's really simple. Open up Google, type in mind diet or Mediterranean diet. They're almost synonymous. And if you're younger, it's even, even more simple. Just take uh, an algae oil or a fish oil, some omega-3s, and eat lots of berries, vegetables, and whole grains. Makes a lot of sense. I love it. Research-based diet. And I think the thing to add on this, again, it links in really nicely with those eight eight factors to, to not do and four factors to do. Like you are what you eat. Aristotle coined that a long time ago and it's no surprise. If you're putting junk in the trunk <laughs> of your car, then, then you're in a little bit of trouble, I would dare say. 100%. I mean, it makes perfect sense, right? You know, if you think of your brain as a machine that runs on the fuel you put inside your body, if you're fuel, fueling it with really clean fuel, you're going to keep your brain clean. But if you're using dirty, crappy oil from the bottom of the fryer that has chips left over, well, that that gunk's got to go somewhere. And maybe that'll be your brain. Yeah, well, bye-bye five, guys. Bye-bye Shake Shack. You're gone. Once, once a month. Once a month. <laughs> Everything in moderation. <laughs> Which, uh, Everything. <laughs> Which, Which leads nicely. I know. Look, we're just... All about the handle. Uh, so my brain tool number five, which is intermittent fasting slash time-restricted eating. Now, mm. I've got a massive hedge before I do get into this. Uh, I am not saying – I'm not qualified dietitian or nutritionist. Neither is Sam. So obviously this assumes that someone is healthy, right? And when you say healthy, it doesn't mean you're eating well, but you have no uh, major diseases and so on a part of it. And also note that if you're pregnant – Intermittent fasting is obviously not going to be a great thing as well. So I just want to hedge that before I get into this because I know IF and time-restricted feeding is such a buzzword at the moment. If you do intermittent oh, fasting, you'll be amazing and everything's going to be better. What I'd like to do is <laughs> – that was not sassy at all. I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> so I'm, going to, I'm going to take a step back. <laughs> but, Sam, I'm just going to put this forward to you because I started uh, doing intermittent fasting probably 12 months ago, um, only seriously mm -hmm. like six months ago. And I think it was spurned more so from the question I asked myself is why do we eat three meals a day? Like why do we actually do that? And the moment I really reflected upon it, I was like I don't really know the reason why outside of the fact that it was told to us. I don't know about you, but that was, that was, that was just a thing that went off in my head. That's a really good question. Why do we eat three meals a day? 
I still don't know. I haven't even looked it up. But I think the key thing comes is like there's a question mark to that. And if you look at all the literature currently, particularly in the developing world, that's like the developed world, is that more people are dying from indigestion or rather too much food than not enough food. Um, and that's not to take away anything from um, you know poverty and malnutrition. But fasting and the research has been very, very clear showing that fasting is a form of stress. And it was, we spoke about controlled stress, exercise as a form of stress, is really, really important. I mean, if we weren't able to go without food for long periods of time, we wouldn't be here today. Our ancestors would have perished. And I think mm. that becomes really salient in that your body, the adaptive mechanisms that happen when you do fasting, um, actually lead to something that was coined by, again, a Japanese uh, Nobel Prize winner, autophagy or autophagy, depending upon what you will. And basically the long and short is when you fast, and for extended periods of time, you end up using waste, damaged molecules, damaged proteins, and you convert them to energy. And so you take your example of um, the, the garbage man that's cleaning up, you're basically saying, cool, you'll clean that up and then it'll actually give you some money as a result of it, which is nice. It'll pay you, to, they'll, they'll pay you to, re to recycle and clean up. I know, yeah, you like that one. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> You're getting paid for someone to clean up. Um, and so I think the, there's a few studies that I just want to put forward here, um, which is in 2008, a dude called Longo basically found that fasting for two days protected healthy cells against the toxicity of chemotherapy, showed a reduction wow. in cancer in mice. So keep in mind, hedge, not a human, uh, human, but an analog. But then Dr. Mark Mance, Matson, another person, basically is the big dog in intermittent fasting research. He basically did a 2006 study with asthma patients, and he found that there was a reduced inflammation after two to four weeks, self-reporting a better mood, and obviously weight loss that comes with it. Now, the question becomes, as I wrap this up, how do you actually do it? How do you actually do intermittent fasting if you are going to do it? That classic is to do 16 and 8, which is do 16 hours of fasting and 8 hours of eating. And the notion is to actually eat within that window. So 9 to 5, for example, or maybe I do 3 uh, to 10, generally speaking. Today, I told you I'm fasting right now. I'm doing a 24-hour fast. Um, so my next meal is going to be in an hour and a half at 9.30. And there's been a lot of research to show increased mental clarity, increased neurogenesis when it comes to IF, um, which is basically to say if you don't do this now, try it, see how it goes for you. It's very difficult to do for the first three days because your body and brain is used to being hungry, but it can actually do wonders. And now if I don't do it, I don't have that same mental clarity. And that's just self-reported experience. What do you think? Mm. No, I love it. I've been doing IF for, uh, since I was 21, like five years. It's the only way I operate now. Oh. All right, well, I thought I was being cool. Thanks, mate. Thanks for deflating me there. Five years compared to... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry about it. No, I mean, oh, my point doesn't matter. That's okay. Oh, that's fine. Oh, gee. I'm just going to drink my water. And we're going to wrap up there for today. <laughs> Kieran has cracked it. Um, <laughs> nah, I, I, no, I'm, I'm a big supporter. And you definitely notice a difference in mood. And, and you feel cleaner as well, I find, because you can feel your body recycling out that waste. Love it. Good one. Last one. You're up. Strong one. Last one. Brain tool number six. Nothing to do with diet at all. We've just thrown you completely off the scent for what this actually is. But brain tool number six is learning a new skill that hires, has a high cognitive demand. What it is, is going and finding a, a demanding skill. It could be a musical instrument. It could be a new language, pottery, painting, anything that requires a focus and cognitive resources. Dancing is a particularly well-researched skill, hobby for this domain. And the reason is because learning a demanding skill is one of the most scientifically proven ways to reduce that age-related memory decline we talked about earlier. Why does it do that? Well, when you think about learning a new skill, you're forcing your brain to create new connections 
between, you know, different parts of the brain, depending on what that skill is. If it's you're dancing between the parts of your brain responsible for movement, for judging space and time. And as you're doing this and as you're activating all these different parts of your brain, you're, you're essentially keeping it healthy. It's exercising the brain. Learning a new skill is exercising the brain. And much like you make your muscles stronger and you, you keep healthy by going to the gym and running, you're doing the same thing by learning a skill. And there's a whole plethora of research on this. Mental gymnastics. Go to the gym. Mental gym. Mental gym. Mental gymnastics. I love that. So, I mean, this one's really simple and you keep it short, but there's a, a lot of research out there that says when people are declining or uh, aging, um, if they start to pick up a quite demanding skill, they start learning a new skill, they find that some of their old memories start to come back online because they're reforming some of those connections and their, their brain is rejuvenating itself. So really simple, go learn a skill. Go learn a hard skill. Love it. I love it. It's so good though, right? Which is, it again, forms into University of Oxford study doing actual like cognitive tasks, actually training it, like you said. Um, and we spoke at the top, your brain likes new things. Stimulate your brain. It's literally a kid in a candy store and it's like, oh, second language? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. But that that like hard like hard to learn new thing is so important because that's when your brain's making the most changes, when it feels hard as well. Yeah. Well, it's adaptive, right? Our brains are adaptive and that's what they evolved to do. So when you're giving it something to be adaptive to, it's being optimized. So wrapping it up for this week, let's just go through those six brain tools really quickly. Uh, number one. Exercise, aerobic exercise in particular, 15, 20 minutes a week is going to have massive impact on your memory, particularly. Number two is a hobby, but a social hobby. Take that exercise, lump it into a social group so you're getting that regular frequent social interaction because social interaction is neuroprotective over time. Brain tool number three, take a sober and or smoke-free month. Always remember that your heart and brain are very clearly linked. It needs the requisite oxygen. Those two things take away from it. Give your brain what it needs. Bit of O2. Give it a break. Give it a break and feed it what it needs to with brain tool number four, which is the mind diet or the Mediterranean diet. It's the only diet that's been studied and shows that it helps reduce cognitive decline and keeps your brain healthy as you age. Brain tool number five, intermittent fasting slash time-restricted eating. Try a 16 and 8 window, 16 uh, sixteen hours of uh, fasting, eight hours of e eating, autophagy, using all that waste and converting to energy. It's going to be massive, massive gains for you. Brain tool number six, doesn't matter how old you are, start learning some new skills, some hard skills, something that you find difficult because that's what your brain was meant to do and that's how you can keep it young no matter what age you are. Whew. I love it. Well, then we wrap up as we always do. Sam, what's your 80-20? My 80-20 is, and I think this is going to become my 80-20 for almost everything, is just increase socializing. It's like the biggest anti-aging in a nutshell is the more social things you do. Look at the Okinawans, the longer you live for. I love it. And mine to wrap things up is apply stress to your body. Exercise, fasting, even the mental gym that we spoke about, it's forms of stress. Your brain and body are adaptive and it will be thanking you for many years to come if you do it right now. Love it. Great way to wrap out this week uh, and this episode too, actually. Well, I love it. As we said, aging is a thing that happens to every single one of us, but there are definitely things that you can obviously do now um, to improve it. So I think we've covered some very good ground, Samuel. We have. We've gone long. We've gone far. We've gone overseas and, and back overseas. 
Let's do it. I don't know where where I was going with that. <laughs> I have no idea. But... I was waiting for you there, but hey, <laughs> I think I think it's now time to wrap this up. <laughs> I think that's I think that's a wrap. <laughs> I'll see I'll see you next week. Bye right. from me. See you later. Thank you so much for listening to this tools cut of our Brain Tools podcast, where you got just the six practical brain tools you can use to hack your brain and level up today. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on any podcast channel you're on, iTunes, podcast, Spotify, and more. And if you really, really want to help us out, please leave us a review. It helps us so much to reach more people just like you. And finally, if you want to go a little bit deeper and dig into the research, see some free classes and guides, come and join our free community at braintools.mn.co. Can't wait to see you next week.